the next segment we have, which is Israel Palestine. We're gonna we're gonna give a <coughs> goodness. We're gonna give an update on the death tally uh, and the the conflict as a whole, not just the death tally. Uh, but we'll start with the death tally because that thing has reached somewhere around four thousand now. The last numbers I was able to gather before this episode was that around 1,300 Israelis and 2,200 Palestinians are dead with thousands wounded, thousands wounded. And the Palestinian count, if you've noticed, is double the Israeli count now. And it's only going to go up. It is only going to go up from here because Israel is the one on the offensive now. And they're putting a siege. They're putting all of Gaza under siege uh let me see what was that was that was that uh yeah they they've they're cutting off food water electricity and fuel to all of gaza and they're they're bombing them they're doing little raids and they they've even started israel even started using white phosphorus against palestine like it's it's crazy i mean you you have all these people dead almost four thousand the number is probably at 4,000 as of my recording this now. And it's there's 130 hostages that I that we know of who've been taken. And the, that number keeps climbing. And it's probably many more, if we're honest. And Hamas has is executing hostages in response to IDF bombings as both sides begin trading war crimes for war crimes. And it's... And again, it baffles me that people will sit there and go, yeah, my side is right, and that other side is the, the real... They're the real savages, okay? Our side is civilized, and they 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 rape women and children. That other side rapes women and children. But then it's like, oh yeah, okay, well, your side is perfectly fine with ethnic cleansing and bombing civilians. Because most of these are civilians. All both The deaths on both of these sides are civilians. It's like, why would we sit here and start simping for war criminals because <laughs> that that's what this this whole it, i stand with israel i stand with palestine thing ultimately amounts to i stand with a war criminal is what you've really said <laughs> why <laughs> oh, that's petty <laughs> but but tell me i'm wrong i'm not wrong <laughs> i might be petty but i'm not wrong <laughs> I stand with a war criminal. It's crazy. But yeah, <laughs> that's what this is. That's what this is. Thousands of civilians m- slaughtered on both sides. Israel and Palestine. Palestine coming in on hang gliders, heading up a door to door campaign to kill innocent civilians. One house, house by house, block by block. Israel killing civilians, one apartment complex at a fucking time. Like, who exactly is the good guy and the bad guy here? Like, and I know that there's a lot of people who just really don't want to hear that. But I urge you, I encourage you, you know, elevate your thinking. Take just one step back and really think. If both sides are perfectly fine with killing civilians indiscriminately, then are there really good guys and bad guys here? And is there really a reason that we, the United States, needs to, you know, throw our hat into the ring? Because you, you already know my stance. I think we shouldn't touch this place with a 10,000-mile-long pole. 
I think we should stay as far away from this mess as possible. Uh, the exact opposite of what Ben Shapiro is advocating for. And others, I just single him out because I talked about him earlier. Um, yeah, all these people, they, the U.S. has to get involved. Uh, no, how about we don't? <laughs> how, how about we stay on our side of the ocean and observe? Because even, even if we assume that this thing is going to escalate and get worse, how exactly does the United States being involved stop that escalation? Because if anything, it, it accelerates the escalation. Because now it's Israel and the U.S. double-teaming on Palestinians who can't fight you back. Well, now you guys are a problem. You need to go. Uh, well, congratulations. You have a broader conflict, and you add to that these these warmongers. I single out Lindsey Graham, Nikki Haley, and Mike Pence talking on day one of this conflict, talking about, yeah, we have to bomb Iran because they're... They're supplying weapons to the other guys. It's like, you have no proof of that. And even if they were, how would that make them any different to us and what we do in Ukraine? How would that make them any different? If Even if they are supplying weapons to Hamas. Congratulations. This, this feeling you have is exactly what Russia has. A problem with foreigners sending money and weapons to neighbors and then using those neighbors as a weapon against you. So if you have a right to bomb Iran because they've sent weapons and money and equipment to Hamas, well, what you've actually said, if we're being consistent here, is that Russia has the right to bomb us. Because what, I, what, I, what they're accusing Iran of doing is literally exactly what we have done in Ukraine against Russia. So if what Iran is doing warrants uh, bombing them, then what we've done, oh my God, oh my God, we've sent way more than what Iran could possibly have sent if they sent anything at all. We still don't know. So what if Iran is a criminal, then we're, we're the greatest of crooks. We're Al Capone. We're, we're, we're El Chapo. And we got to go. That's what we are. If if Iran is a criminal for what they're doing, which we don't prove, we haven't proved and we don't know, then we are the greatest of all criminals. I don't think that they've thought that far ahead, as usual. They just want a war. But it's it's crazy. I, I don't think the U.S. should be involved in this mess. We should leave it the hell alone. And I'm sorry, that, that means abandoning our Israel. That means abandoning Israel. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. I said, my defense is that I said we should have done this a lot earlier uh, instead of waiting for a crisis and then having this th this crisis of conscience. Uh, do we support this country or do we act in our own self-interest? You know, that's a real hard dilemma. No, it's not. <laughs> what does the alliance do for us? We should have left it alone when we had the chance. And now there's a problem. And because we're allied to Israel... People expect us to get involved in that problem to our own detriment. We should not be in this alliance. That's my stance. We should not be in this alliance and we shouldn't be in this war. Will I get my way? Uh, hopefully. I mean, shoot. But we'll see. It doesn't look like I'm going to get my way. But, uh, you know, there, there's always hope. There's always hope. 
But this is this whole thing is a mess. This whole thing is a mess. They want us to moralize this conflict in the dumbest way possible, where we we say that this this side who is perfectly fine with uh, an ethnic cleansing is better than the other side who is perfectly fine with open acts of terrorism. It's like no, no, we're not going to sit here and play the the lesser of two evils game with foreigners. This is their war. Let them fight it. Let them fight. We should stay the hell out. Israel, Israel is using white phosphorus. Like, what, what do you want me to say to that? Hamas, it literally, literally ransacked villages and stole women and children. And raped women and children. Now, there's claims that they killed babies and beheaded babies and burnt babies to a crisp. It's like, well, okay. Uh, one... And, and then the, the claim that they were burning babies got debunked. The claim that they were beheading babies got debunked. But, the, and these are, these were all referring to deliberate acts because obviously children have died. Because, I mean, you bomb a building, the building comes down. If there's a baby there, the baby's going to die. It's war. But the, the idea that they're going out of their way to, to deliberately kill babies is wild and unfounded. But that's what happens when you just jump headfirst into a war. You jump headfirst into a lie. Because we're already getting the lies. Oh, they burnt the babies. They beheaded the babies. Well, how do you know? Uh, you know what? You hate Israel. That's what, That's why. It's like, no, 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 no. You have to prove that. But beyond the fog of war, it's this is not something we should be getting involved in. Now, Israel has been on the offensive. And they've been they've taken the initiative in this, all right. They they've gotten their bearings, so to speak, and they are all over they're getting up in Gaza's ass like a bike with no seat. <laughs> uh, maybe you know where I got that one from. But they're going in, they gave the UN and Gaza residents a warning that those in northern Gaza had like twenty-four hours to evacuate. And we're talking about evacuating the evacuating over a million people. Because there are a lot of people that live in the Gaza Strip. And they're telling them, yeah, you got to evacuate. It's like, well, okay. We're, we're just going to evacuate from this one, from half of our already small patch of land. We're just going to evacuate to the, the other half of our small patch of land. Okay, 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 okay. yeah, cool, 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 cool. Uh, and where are we supposed to live? Oh, that's crazy. That wasn't considered. Uh, how are we supposed to eat? If we're not going to be in the city where all the food is? Oh, right, right. Oh, you you cut off the food and the electricity and the water. Oh, my God. And the fuel. Oh, how are we supposed to drive the car to get to get out of the city and to get out of these? Uh, oh, uh, right, right. We're going to walk because there's no more gas because you cut off the fuel. It's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. How exactly is this evacuation supposed to go off if you put the, the damn place under siege? <laughs> I can't stand these people. <laughs> Can't stand these people, bro. <laughs> I can't stand. But yeah, this this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with, and the people are so obsessed with taking a side. But this is what we're dealing with—an absolute mess between savages, because that's what they are—savages. Israel has also carried out uh, multiple bombings of Syrian airports and air bases, which again increases the likelihood that a coalition is going to get formed against them. We already see the diplomatic maneuvering being taken 
uh, being undertaken by the Israeli, not the Israeli, the Israelis aren't doing very much in the realm of diplomacy right now. Uh, the Iranian foreign minister and the Saudi crown prince, they're already coalition building, uh, in, especially in the case of Iran. <laughs> it's like, my goodness, you're, you're just, you're just going to add flames to the fire? Because they're talking about keeping it from escalating, and here you go bombing Syria again. It's like, dude, uh, don't let them bomb Lebanon. Oh my god, Hezbollah, don't let these people bomb it. Please, if you love Israel, <laughs> do everything in your power to keep them from bombing Lebanon. Because you know they like to do this shit. They like to send their air force and, and violate other people's airspace and bomb them and then fly away like something happened. If they do that shit in Lebanon, they will get bombed. Hezbollah will have the perfect excuse to jump into this war and flatten north, the northern parts of Israel. And then they're going to have a real problem on their hands. It's it's crazy. It's just escalating so uh, badly. Uh, I won't say fast. Although I could say fast because this is, this is like week two that we're going into right now. Or is it week three? Because it was like five days had passed uh, by the time we got to last week's episode. So we're we're gonna we're coming towards the end of week two. We're moving into week three. Uh, so yeah, it's been pretty rapid these developments. But man, this is such a mess. Uh, you have Israel, uh, not Israel. You have Egypt reportedly warning that Israel. Uh, oh right, 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 right. This is the story that Egypt had warned Israel that the situation in Palestine was going to explode in the near future. That was their words. It was going to explode. And they're obviously referring to what's happening now. Uh, Al-Aqsa storm is what the, it's been called. And the response, the iron sword, the, the Israeli response to the Hamas attack on them is being carried out now. And the Israelis probably embarrassed by this massive oversight or probably because they were in on the take you know if we go if we go with the the tape brothers and what they had to say on the matter maybe this was deliberate and you actually let this happen or it was a massive lapse in judgment now whichever one you would like to believe is that's your choice i don't discount either I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna run with they got duped and they got duped hard because they didn't think that they could be duped, and that's the first that's the first step to getting duped. You don't believe that you can be. You believe you have everything under control. You believe that you know everything that's going on, and the second that you believe that you're invincible or that you know everything that's going on, that's when the shit hits the fan, and you get caught with your pants down, and that's exactly what happened with Israel. So. I believe that Egypt did one because none of the countries in the region want this happening right now and they're all in favor of peace. So I can fully believe that Egypt warned them if any country at all was going to warn them because we didn't, <laughs> we didn't, the United States are their ally, supposedly. We didn't warn them. I believe Egypt warned them because Egypt doesn't want the Palestinians flooding to their, their border because one of the border crossings out of Gaza is into Egypt. And that's the one that Israel is trying to sort of force the Palestinians to go through by clearing them out from the north. Egypt doesn't want them. Egypt has over 100 million people. They don't need more. And they certainly don't need people who are not Egyptian coming in. Granted, 
uh, they they'd be sort of out outclassed by the, the the local Egyptian population. But Egypt has its own problems, and probably a big enough and hard enough time feeding itself. They do not need the added burden of feeding, housing, and caring for the Palestinians. Palestinians can stay in Palestine. Egypt is for Egypt, and that's probably where they where they are, and that's probably why they would warn Israel about this because they knew that it would escalate. So I can believe it. And I can also believe that Israel is denying these claims uh, and say, and insisting that this exchange never happened because they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed that they got caught lacking in the worst way possible. And, and plus it's political. You're not, you're, you're not going to admit that you received this warning and you ignored it. No one's going to say that they might admit this like 10, 20 years later when you know after the problem is gone and they'll do it very quietly and you'll have to look to find it because it's not going to be on the mainstream news this that this is one of those things that you admit later on down the road you know not one of those things you admit in the moment so i can fully believe that egypt did do this and that israel is denying it out of embarrassment and for political reasons it's not it's not like they're in a good place now anyway uh, and last week, Israel also began launching what they called small raids into the Gaza Strip. Mainly, this is to try to rescue hostages, to take out Hamas rocket sites uh, and Hamas leadership wherever they could. But let's call it for what it is. This is a preparatory operation for a larger ground assault. You get your people out that you can, because a lot of these people are going to be dead by the time you get them. I mean, Hamas is killing civilians. They're killing the hostages. It's not even that you're killing civilians, you're killing POWs, prisoners of war, hostages, literal terrorism, and, and you're live streaming it. Terrorism. Blackmail, extortion, because they, they the extortion part is we're going to kill these hostages for every bombing that you do in Gaza. And they were not lying when they said that there are bodies of dead, masses of dead people that Israel couldn't say. And so these these two sides are just they are perfectly willing to get down and dirty with one another and it's it creates a tragedy like even though the, the casualty count is nothing compared to what you'll see in ukraine at the very least with ukraine it's majority military deaths as which is what you want to see in a war you just don't necessarily condone half a million people dying in a war that they can't win uh, which is ukraine but here's israel palestine four thousand people are dead and you have half a million atrocities it's like how did you get to this point how did you get here it's and yeah oh my god but yeah this is this is a, pre a preparatory operation where they're trying to go in and get their people out they're trying to go in and shake up hamas's leadership by taking out uh their leaders and forcing them to shuffle the positions they're trying to take out hamas rocket sites uh that can and will be used against them in the event that they do a ground assault into gaza because hamas has no problems uh endangering their own civilian populations if it means scoring one over on the israelis so taking out these rocket sites is very important if you're going to do a, a ground operation and to stop the rockets from going into israel there's also that it's that's a big component but yeah this is a preparatory operation you don't want to go in shooting at your own people when you send in your troops and Israel massed over 300,000 men. They called up 300,000 reservists. 
and they're getting ready for this assault into Palestine. Uh, and this is something which I am not alone in saying is a really bad idea. And I say this, uh, I can't necessarily speak for anyone else, but for me, uh, the urban environment is reason enough not to do it. Because the urban environment, the city, is perfect for a guerrilla war. Perhaps even better than mountains. Like, because with mountains, you can lure the enemy into narrow pass, into a narrow pass and ambush them. You go up on the hill, you go up on the mountain, you have the high ground, you can retreat, you can fade away, you can go into a tunnel or a cave, you can do all that. But with a city, you, you, I mean, you can lure an enemy into a narrow mountain pass and then ambush them when they have nowhere to go. But with a city, every block is a narrow pass from which you can ambush the enemy. And since a city is built for human habitation and the movement of people throughout the buildings, an attacker can ambush you and then melt away just by moving a few yards into a, a, in a different direction. Now they're just a part of the crowd. Now they're hidden somewhere in a city building or in a skyscraper or a, a, a shop or an alleyway and you just don't know where they are. You can fade away even better than if you were to just run away into a cave in a mountain. Because shoot, what is a skyscraper aside from a, a tall steel and concrete mountain with an extensive and very elaborate cave system? Because if you're, if you're going to be a guerrilla fighter, well, that's what a skyscraper is. A very tall mountain made of concrete and steel that has a very accessible cave system for built for humans. Like, this is the worst possible terrain you could fight somebody in just on, on a man-to-man -man level. And plus, we've observed that uh, with the Ukraine war, the city remains the the most defensible man-made structure in warfare. We saw it with the Battle of Bakhmut, and we see it with uh, the, the struggle to retake just small towns and villages when you have a, a, enough men to fight. It's really hard to take a big city. We saw with the, the siege of Mariupol. This is, taking a city is hard. And you're talking a city of over a million people? millions plural of people in Gaza how are you gonna do that uh, sure you have 300,000 men you have you have the force disposal but now you're moving into enemy territory and they can hit you from every angle they can they can hit you from the sewers bro and that's toxic they can literally plant an IED on the bottom side of a manhole come up flip the manhole over and then set it off. Like if we're if we're gonna think creatively here, and there's nothing you can do about that. There's no time to respond to that. You just get blown up. You lose your leg, and now there's people around you shooting you from the rooftops and from the windows of the skyscrapers. It's this is not a good place to fight a conventional war. It's it's just not. And if they, if Hamas has gotten their hands on American weapons, like, I don't know, stingers and javelins, maybe, uh, then Israel armored and aerial vehicles are going to have a really bad time trying to operate in and around Gaza City.
They're going to get hit with anti-tank missiles. They're going to get hit with anti-air missiles. And from really, really close proximities, because the second you fly past the skyscraper, oh, oop, there goes a guy with a javelin. The second you drive by, by that little local town shop oops there goes the, the uh, what there goes the jet ja- well there's the javelin the, the, the stinger is the anti-air and they can just do this from anywhere and there's no room to respond there's no room to run there's no room to maneuver you just get hit and now you're down an armored vehicle and if the armored vehicle explodes or has a reciprocal explosion uh now the people inside are dead the people around you the vehicle are wounded and now you get ambushed it's just a really shitty place to try to fight a war but they want to go into gaza and they're going to go into gaza because they want revenge and it's going to be to their own detriment even on the battlefield not just diplomatically when we look at the broader region but even zoomed in to the battle space this is a terrible idea but they're going to do it it's a it's a mistake i will reiterate that this is a mistake gaza is a trap and going into it is a strategic and military and increasingly diplomatic mistake. Israel shouldn't do it, but I fully expect that they will. I fully expect that they will. And I say diplomatically on top of strategically and militarily. I say diplomatically because, again, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, China, Russia, they've all come out in favor of a ceasefire and are in contact with one another to work out the means by which to make that happen. I mentioned earlier in the rapid fire segment that Iran's foreign minister warned that the conflict could expand if Israel did not stop its actions in Gaza. And these words are not empty. There's a lot of diplomatic maneuvering going on in the, around in the region. And with an Israeli invasion of Gaza and Israel not even bothering to do anything on the diplomatic front to try to cover themselves, because uh, I just haven't seen anything from Israel's foreign minister. I just uh, they're, they're all in on Gaza right now. I mean, they're not running any interference with what's going on around them. This maneuvering can only be done against them now. They're, they're not playing any uh, offense in the diplomatic scene. They're going to get manu- outmaneuvered, and they're going to find themselves with a coalition. Uh, I mean, and this invasion of Gaza... On top of them putting Gaza under siege by cutting off food, cutting off water, cutting off electricity and fuel, the regional sympathy is has already shifted away from Israel because everyone felt bad for what happened to them. It's already shifted away from them. It already shifted away from neutral because Israel's immediate response and the casualties came about equal to one another. Now it's all in on Palestine. And if Israel doing this ground assault into Gaza, Israel putting Gaza under siege and doing this collective punishment of the entire population of Gaza by cutting off food, water, electricity, and fuel. All all the regional sympathies are going to shift towards Palestine as Israel is going to be seen as the one who's uh, unreasonable and vengeful, even if Hamas was the one who started this round of fighting. And even if Hamas itself is every bit as guilty of those claims and of those labels, which they are, they're guilty and deserving of those labels, both of them, vengeful and unreasonable. 
but Israel's response is going to be disproportionate to what Hamas did. And while they would be right to do that, in con- it, this is a wartime environment, they are right to do that, but the response is going to kill you. Because now you're going to be seen as the bad guy. Because you did this. You went too far. And it, it's, again, going back to what I speculated last episode, it appears to be coming true. But I'll reserve my judgment. And we'll see what happens this week as events are unfolding very rapidly. We'll see how exactly the sympathies for Palestine manifest now that we can see that those sim- sympathies are there. And have major backers behind them so we'll see what happens uh especially if the ground assault begins uh this week or sometime later on we'll see what happens so we'll definitely be keeping our eyes on the situation as it unfolds this segment was taken from my podcast this week in geopolitics i have new episodes every monday so if you like what you heard consider giving me a follow thanks for listening and hopefully i'll see you next time Servus.